1984 by George Orwell, Part 3, Chapters 1, 2, and 3. By the time we get to Part 3, Julia and Winston have been busted. We see that at the end of Part 2, where they are arrested for their crimes against the state. And as readers, we know this is going to happen. It's just a matter of how it plays out and ultimately what is left of Winston once the state is done with Winston. In this section, a quick little side note, it's mentioned that at the labor camps, that politicians are the lowest ranking people in the labor camps who have to do the dirtiest jobs. So a little side note where this is headed, something a little small expression of George Orwell's thoughts about politicians. This section also shows that Ampleforth and Parsons have both been arrested as well, which does beg the question, can a society exist with no people in it? If everyone we're seeing at some point eventually makes a mistake that lands them in trouble with the government, what type of society are we actually looking at? And and in this section, O'Brien does offer some solutions or real answers to that type of question. Parsons, of course, is turned in by his children. He is such a prop of the state. He's actually proud of their work. But he's been saying things in his sleep. And he seems destined to be either executed or at least treated for his crimes. And the word treated is important there because we're going to talk about that in this section. So O'Brien turns out to be the weapon that the state is going to use against Winston. And it's in this very classic bad guy villain, per se, telling his entire story to the good guy that we see in movies all the time. In this case, I'm not really sure we can call Winston a good guy. He's our protagonist. And at this point, we can assume that O'Brien, at the end of the day, is our antagonist. But are there really good people, good guys, bad guys, as we usually see it in a very clear way present here? I don't think so. I think an essay topic you could really think about for this paper would be the idea that there is no real good and bad here. There's just kind of bad and worse. O'Brien sees Winston as deranged. And for O'Brien, you have to remember that is a true and accurate statement. To the belief system of O'Brien, Winston is damaged. And we as readers, remember, we've talked about this with every class discussion. Winston is damaged. But we see him not as deranged, but as helpless. And damaged in the sense that he is trying to do what is right, but doesn't have the skills or the ability to do it. Winston is deranged to O'Brien because of what he represents how he thinks and how he feels. There's definitely a difference there from the reader's perception to the character O'Brien's. And O'Brien's goal is to remove any doubt. They really don't care about confessions. And that's an interesting thing. No matter what they confess, it's not important. It's that this idea that complete and utter love and support of Big Brother unconditionally is all they are focused on. It's not truly about punishment. It's about re-education of the spirit that goes way beyond 
physical and emotional trauma. As we think about this, O'Brien points out that memory is self-discipline. Basically, what a person thinks and feels is completely controlled, not by the experience, but by melding the experience that is being put upon the person. Meaning that what the government says is your memory, is your memory. And that ability to sort of infiltrate and to disrupt and cause lack of trust in people's own experiences is truly at the key of what we're looking at with this idea of memory being self-discipline. And ultimately what memory represents for the, the people in big, who are under Big Brother's control is that memory is the collective and that it's immortal. So what we're seeing here is a huge shift, a huge shift from the self and the individual to just a complete collective. When you can even argue that you're not even a cog in the machine, you just are the machine. And only when you are the machine can you exist in this society. That any sort of chance of being an individual is going against Big Brother, going against the state. And this entire section, and the torture is detailed, it's graphic, it's hard to read sometimes. The whole point of it is to melt the mind into true belief. And that they're going to do this ultimately with the goal of re-education where Winston's going to learn, understand, and then eventually he's just going to accept what the state is giving him. Any sort of questioning of what the state is doing just sets him back further. And he's being brought in to be cured. And remember, that idea of being cured versus being punished is different. And it comes from this fact that O'Brien points out that they do not want to create any martyrs. They do not want anyone to sort of represent a counterculture, to be executed, to potentially inspire people to go against the state. They want people to be executed only when they have accepted the state as not the most, not only the most powerful, but the existence of life, why they exist in the first place. They want them to be upset about their acts against Big Brother, not to be just saying it to get the torture to be ended. So this idea of not creating martyrs and the removal of martyrdom, it goes that far into thinking about everything has been covered by Big Brother. Nothing happens without their say, without their complete oversight of all aspects of life. They are controlling the counterculture. And it gets to where we are going to be at the end of this section when we talk about power and human nature. But the surrender cannot just be forced. And this is the one thing we have to continue to remember is that they're not seeking surrender just out of exhaustion. They want free will. They want to be honest. And they want it to be something that is meaningful, not just a way out of a, of a set of circumstances. And that is a complete reworking of this idea of punishment and why it's not punishment and why they are trying to quote-unquote cure Winston. Death would be letting him off the hook. But to die with these feelings, they feel could be cancerous to their society. So they have to have him surrender who he is and ultimately give in 
to this idea that of free will that he's willingly going to accept Big Brother as not just a superpower, but the reason for his existence. Which ultimately brings us to the point that gets brought up, what it means to exist in this text. And ultimately what we're looking at is that the collective is immortal. Once you give in and join Big Brother completely, that is that is truly existing in this society. Anything outside of that, you're not existing. You're not living. Going against the grain is not worth it because you'll just be squashed out, rendered useless. There isn't enough of a movement. You're completely isolated. But if you give in, if you join Big Brother, you support the party, you give yourself to the party, well, that eliminates sort of what we would see as people reading the story as a, as a high quality of life in this story, in the text of 1984, that is the only way to live, is with the collective. You personally do not exist. Your individual thoughts, ideas, and beliefs need to only be regurgitated facts and dogmas of the party. Which ultimately brings us to that question of what, the why. We talk, we cover this kind of earlier in the text that O'Brien gives the book to Winston and Winston wants to learn the why. He realizes what the how is by reading the book. O'Brien says he wrote the book. Whether that's true or not, we'll figure, we don't really know. But when they get into the why, Winston gives the answer that you would expect. He believes they're doing it because Big Brother believes that this is the best thing for human life, that this is for their own good, per se. But O'Brien points out, Zach, it's not that at all. It's just about power and keeping power with the party, and that power is the end, and keeping it is the only thing that matters. Power is a god. And only when the loss of self truly happens, and we get a rundown in the text, we'll go over this in class about just how broken down society is to make this work. And what we're looking at is that the human condition is being broken down, that nothing exists except for the human conscience. And the concept of reality in this text is based off of what the mind is seeing and being told to believe. Earth is only as old as your conscience. Earth is only going to be what is, there's no, nothing predates you. So there's no reason to think about the past unless what, it, what they tell you is the past. There's no reason to worry about the future because it's just right in front of us. It's this odd sense that reality is only in the current moment. And what can be altered and abandoned in the past won't really impact the future because there's no correlation between the past because it gets twisted and the future and the reality of the moment is all that matters. So what the mind is experiencing and then being told how to comprehend it is what is reality. So when we get to this idea of power, which you could spend a lot of time on, is that power is basically asserted through suffering. And that Big Brother is not interested in governing and power and having power over things, 
but power only over men. Because it is the men who will control the things. This entire world we're looking at is founded on fear and hate. And as O'Brien points out, it's endless. Winston wants to say flat out, that can't happen. You cannot have a society drawn on hate. He says, that's not true. There is always hate. There's always going to be an enemy, which ultimately brings us to the fact that controlling human nature is what Big Brother wants to do. And that that rundown of why the world is founded on fear and hate and the deconstruction of the family unit, the deconstruction of individualism, how children are used, the breakdown of the education process, everything is designed to control human nature. So the thoughts and mind and the support of the people isn't something that's ever questioned. It's just one with the person. There's no doubt because it is as natural as breathing. So as we explore human nature and what it means to be human, what O'Brien explains in great detail is if you make support of the government, of the party, as natural as the basic needs of human life, then maintaining power is not something that ever needs to be worried about. Because after generations and generations of this level of control, it's just no different than the air we breathe. This section ends with Winston completely broken. We get the 2 plus 2 equals 5 section. We get a whole lot of damage done to Winston. But as readers, as much as we anticipate his death and demise, we have to also understand that that's not going to be the case. And we're going to see what Winston looks like after his re-education process. There's no happy ending here. It's just merely the next phase for Winston. And as we wrap up the text next week, I want us to continue to consider this idea of humanness. And is it possible to control someone to the point where their human nature can be altered and manipulated to the point where political ideologies become so natural and so reactionary as in an instinctual way that questioning it would be looked at as something that would be insane or just outright morally wrong based off of our own instincts and feelings. 